0: Forgiveness. This is a topic that is often taught, but not often understood. Today, I'm going to take you on a journey through the Word of God and show you not only why we need to forgive, but also give you practical steps in how to forgive. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Faith Talks. I'm your host, Emily Preston, and in these podcasts, we will be discussing how to practically apply the principles found in the Word or how to be a doer of the word, so that you can start seeing more of the manifestation of God's grace in every area of your life. Welcome back everybody. Today we are going to continue our lesson on how to forgive and we are going to go through the steps, the practical steps in how to forgive one by one. So last week we ended off with talking about the sycamine tree and why Jesus used the sycamine tree or the mulberry tree as a illustration of unforgiveness and resentment and he said to the disciples that if you have faith you will say to this mulberry tree be plucked up by the roots and be cast into the sea and so the number one step in how to get rid of unforgiveness and I hope you're taking notes is to speak to it you speak to unforgiveness the same way you would speak to sickness. You would speak to lack. You would speak to anxiety. You speak to unforgiveness and you command it to be uprooted and cast into the sea. So you say out loud, out of your mouth, unforgiveness and resentment. You are rooted up and you are cast into the sea. And remember, you use your voice with authority, with confidence, with assurance of the knowledge that it has to obey you. So you're not begging and pleading. You're not um, you're not a little weakling trying to deal with this big, massive mulberry tree. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You have the name of Jesus. You have the authority that that name represents. And you are enforcing God's will on this earth by speaking to that mulberry tree. And you are commanding that unforgiveness and that resentment to be rooted up out of your out of your life and cast into the sea. Now this is really interesting. Why the sea? Why not the garbage heap? Or why not that next field over there? Because in the salty water of the sea, the sycamine tree or the unforgiveness will die once and for all. It will not be able to take root or sprout up ever again it will become a non-issue and now interestingly and god showed me this as i was studying this out the sea is the same place god casts our sins and iniquities in micah 7 verse 19 the sea of forgetfulness so i believe the reason that jesus is telling the disciples to to command that bitterness and unforgiveness to be rooted up and cast into the sea is because this ties in with forgiving, because God first forgave us. He has cast our sins and iniquity into the sea, and we are to cast that that offense, that unforgiveness, that hurt that was that was um, committed against us into the same sea, the sea of forgetfulness. So remember that that sea is where God casts our sins and iniquities and he remembers them no more. So when we cast that offense and unforgiveness and hurt into the sea, we will remember it no more. It won't be able to rear its ugly head ever again and say, look at me, remember me, think about me. It will be dead and lifeless and will have forever disappeared from view. That is awesome. And I'm telling you, this is what I did and this works. I spoke to that unforgiveness. I spoke to that resentment and I said, you are rooted up and cast into the sea. And I promise you that the thoughts about that situation and those people became less and less and less to the point where I didn't think about them at all because they were cast into the sea of forgetfulness. Number two, the second thing we have to do in order to get rid of unforgiveness once and for all is to replant the ground of your heart with the love of God. Why do we have to replant it with something else? I'll give you an example. Have you ever had a song stuck in your head and you haven't been able to get it out of your head? Yes, I'm pretty sure all of us can relate. Well, what is the best way to get that song out of your head? It's to replace it with a different song. So imagine that your heart is a freshly plowed field. And this is actually an accurate illustration because of the parable of the sower. Jesus says that the field is the heart of man. So your heart now, you've you've plucked up that root of unforgiveness and, and resentment. That sycamine tree has been plucked up and cast into the sea. And now it's a freshly plowed field all ready for something new. Now you need to plant something else there because otherwise thorns and weeds will grow up and it will take over that field of your heart again okay so now we have to plant something else what are we going to plant instead of unforgiveness bitterness and resentment we are going to sow the love of God why are we going to sow the love of God because faith works by love So you've dealt with the issue that's been preventing you from operating in the love of God. And now you're going to plant that word seed to ensure that you reap a harvest of the God kind of love. So now you have to go and find yourself some word seed about walking in love. And you put corresponding action to your faith by declaring Romans 5 verse 5, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to me. Or you can sow the seed of Ephesians 5 verse 1 and declare, I am an imitator of God just as a dearly loved child. I live a life of love just as Christ loved me. Or I'm sure you've been to many weddings and I'm sure that you are very familiar with this scripture from Corinthians and you can declare, I walk in love. Therefore, I am patient. I am kind. I do not envy. I do not boast. I am not proud. I do not dishonor others. I am not self-thinking. I am not easily angered. I keep no record of wrongs. I do not delight in evil, but I rejoice with the truth. I have love and love always protects always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. God's love in me never fails. And see, what happens is when you plant the love of God in the ground of your heart, your heart will now go to work to produce a harvest from that love seed that you are planting. And walking in love with the people that have hurt you won't be a struggle or a strain. It will be effortless because it will be the fruit of the word that you are planting. An apple tree doesn't struggle or strain to produce an apple because it is in the nature of the seed. It is in the nature of the apple seed and it's the same with the love of God. You demonstrating and walking in God's love won't be a struggle or a strain because it is in the DNA of that love seed, that word seed that you are planting in the ground of your heart. God's made it super easy for us. 1 John 2 verse 5 says that whoever keeps or obeys or does God's word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. So another huge benefit to planting love in your heart is that God's love will be perfected in you because you are abiding in love and God's perfect love drives out fear because fear has torment. And that's from 1 John 4 verse 16 to 18. And as it was in my case, I. I had a constant barrage of thoughts and feelings about that person and about that situation. And it was tormenting. It was harassing. It was annoying. It would suck my strength and suck my joy and made me feel overwhelmed and hopeless. But God says that his love, when it's perfected in you, will drive that out. It will drive that tormenting out. Uh, overwhelming, harassing feeling. that It'll drive that fear out because that fear is what's tormenting you. So one of the most effective things that you can do is to plant the word seed of love in your heart and reap that harvest of love for that person or those people. And again, it will be effortless. Number three, and this may be the hardest step of all, Number three, pray for your enemies and bless them. Luke 6 verse 27, Jesus says, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Now, this might be the hardest thing you've ever had to do. It may be indescribable what has happened to you and your flesh may scream at you and it will say to you, you can't pray for them. Look what they did to you. They deserve to be punished. And that is why in Galatians 5, God tells us to crucify the flesh and its desires. And he tells us to operate in and display the fruit of the spirit. Sometimes we just have to nail our flesh to the cross and do what God tells us to do even when we don't feel like it. But I promise you... From my experience, the moment you decide to do that and start doing it, it will become easier and easier. And in fact, you will be so full of the joy knowing that you are doing what God's told you to do that your flesh won't be able to rebel against you. And you may not feel like it. It may be the last thing you want to do. You may not want to pray for them. You may not want to do good to them. You may not want to bless them or love them. But the more you do it, the easier it will become. Because the word in you, will strengthen you. You can do all things through Christ, through the word that strengthens you. And I encourage you to pray intentionally for the people that have hurt you. So, you know, don't just do a little like, you know, insignificant. Oh, bless them and open their eyes. No, pray for them intentionally. Say, Lord, I thank you that I have your grace and I declare by faith that I have forgiven those people and I continue to forgive them. I pray blessing over them. I pray that their eyes are open to your goodness and grace towards them in Jesus' name. Do you know the word bless means to speak well of? which is the opposite of what they're doing. They're probably cursing you or lying about you or betraying you. But God says to do the opposite. He says to bless them. And when you pray for them, this is what you're doing. You're speaking well of them and you're speaking well for them. And what are you doing when you do this? Why would Jesus tell us to do this? Why would he tell us to pray for our enemies, to bless them, to love them, to forgive them? Why would he tell us to do that? Because you are putting corresponding action to your faith because you have already made the decision that you're going to forgive them and that you have forgiven them. And now you are putting corresponding action to that and demonstrating your forgiveness by praying for them. If you think about it, you pray for the people that you love, that you're close to. You know, you pray for your friends and your family. So now if you've made the decision to forgive your enemies, praying for them is a demonstration that you have forgiven them and you are being a doer of the word. That's what it all comes back to. You are being a doer of the word and God promises you that you will be blessed in all that you do when you are a doer of the word. And now you might say, you don't know what they did to me. They hurt me. They abused me. They betrayed me. But look at Jesus. And I'm not saying this to be cliche, but he is our example. Look at Jesus. He was the only man who never sinned. He went about doing good, healing people, ministering to people, blessing them, bringing life to them, teaching them the word that was the truth that made them free. And yet he was betrayed. He was beaten. He was tortured and whipped and killed. And yet what did he say? He said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, this was one of the things that God told me to pray when I prayed for the people who had hurt me. He told me to pray that I forgive them for they know not what they do. And do you know what my response was? They do know what they do. They did know what they were doing. What they did to me was planned. It was calculated. It was deliberate. They knew exactly what they were doing. Like I knew better than God, right? Right. But God reminded me of the scripture in Ephesians 6 verse 12 which says that our struggle, our wrestle, our fight is not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, we are not fighting with people. Our real enemy is the devil. And you might say, yeah, I reckon those people are totally demon-possessed. And that's laughable, but they're not necessarily demon-possessed, but they can be influenced by the devil. The devil will influence people to do certain things, to behave in a certain way, and to say certain things that hurt others other people because his intention is to cause offense. Remember, stumbling blocks. He wants you to stumble. He wants to trip you up and make you fall. If he can get you into unforgiveness and resentment, he can steal the word from you. And that is his ultimate goal. He wants us to get our eyes off the word and onto the offense because then that sycamine tree can grow stronger and more powerful and choke the ground of our hearts and eventually be the death of everything God is trying to get to us. He wants us to get out of love so that our faith will be unproductive and we won't see any victory in our lives. So if people yield to his influence, and if you think about it, there's been times when you've probably yielded to his influence. I know I have. You just think, oh man, I just want to tell that person what I think of them. I want you yield to that, that temptation to get angry and to, and to mouth off at somebody. And But do you know what? It's not that person that's the problem. It's the enemy behind it. In Matthew 16, 23, Jesus even rebuked Peter, one of his closest disciples, and he said to him, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. Now look at that. Jesus rebuked the enemy that was influencing Peter and recognized that it was a stumbling block. It was an opportunity to get offended. But Jesus recognized that it was the enemy behind Peter and not Peter himself and spoke directly to the source of the opportunity that was presenting itself. Now, I am not suggesting that you go to the person who hurt you and try and cast the devil out of them. But when you pray for them, remind yourself that there's an enemy who uses people to put stumbling blocks in your way. And that's why Jesus said to forgive them for they know not what they do. If those people knew that they were yielding to the influence of the devil, they wouldn't have done what they did. And if those people who tortured and crucified Jesus had known that they were yielding to the devil and could have seen the devil whispering in their ears, they wouldn't have done it. So when God told me to forgive these people for they know not what they do, he was basically telling me to remind myself that I don't wrestle with flesh and blood. And I've given the illustration of a bullfighter in one of my previous episodes, but I'm going to repeat it now because it is so valid to what I'm talking about at the moment. If you think about a bullfighter, okay, the bullfighter is there and he's holding that red cape and the bull is charging that cape. He sees the red cape and he charges the cape over and over again. But if he knew, if that bull knew that it was the bullfighter that was holding the cape and he was the source of his aggravation and his his um, irritation and instead of just charging the cape, if he were to charge the bullfighter, the fight would be over really quickly. And so we need to remember that, that that people are the capes that the enemy uses to try and irritate us and to get us into unforgiveness and to aggravate us. But he is the bullfighter behind that cape. So instead of charging the cape, which is the person, we are to charge him, the enemy, and we are to fight our fight, not with carnal means, but with supernatural means. And we are to go straight for the source of that irritation and that aggravation and that hurt and resentment, which is the enemy. We can't fight spiritual battles with natural weapons. We have to fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. And God has given us the spiritual weapons that we need. Remember that the weapons that he has given us are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So it doesn't matter how big the stronghold of unforgiveness. It doesn't matter how big the sycamine or mulberry tree is or how deep the roots are the weapons that God has given us are more mighty, more powerful and powerful enough to bring that thing down. And so when we are praying for a person, when we're blessing them, when we're doing good to them, even when they don't deserve it, and when we're declaring by faith that we love them, these are all the grace weapons that God has given us to defeat that enemy behind that unforgiveness once and for all. Number four, the fourth way that we get rid of unforgiveness, cast down any thoughts that continue to come. If you look at the scripture that talks about the weapons of our warfare in 2nd Corinthians, it says this in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or of the flesh, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And this verse goes on to say, Casting down imaginations. So the way that we pull down strongholds is casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge. Of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The enemy will continue to try and plant thoughts about the person or situation in your mind in an attempt to get you thinking about it over and over again. He'll try and contradict the word you are speaking by telling you, See, you haven't forgiven them because you're still thinking about them. Or he'll say, you can't let go of this unforgiveness. What they did to you is unforgivable. Or he'll make you see something or hear something that reminds you about the person or situation. And now these things are what the Bible calls high things. They are high thoughts. They are things that are trying to make themselves higher than your knowledge of God, which is the word of God. They are trying to exalt themselves against the knowledge that you have of God and your, your decision to forgive that person. And these are the thoughts that you have to cast down and bring into obedience to the word of God. Okay, so what do you do? When a thought pops up, about the person or the situation, you say, I cast you down in Jesus name. I have forgiven that person. I am free of unforgiveness towards them. I bless them. I love them in Jesus name. And I tell you what, you keep pouring the love of God over those thoughts like that and resisting the enemy and he has to flee. He does not want you praying for or blessing anyone. And that is how you cast down those high thoughts, those thoughts that the enemy sends that are trying to steal the word, that are trying to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And you bring them into captivity and you make them obedient to the word of God. You make them bow their knee to the word of God. And just remember that just because you have a thought about the person or situation doesn't mean you're still walking in unforgiveness. Remember, forgiveness is an act of faith. It is not a feeling. You can't be governed by your feelings. You may not feel any different, but you have made the decision and you have made the declaration by faith that you have forgiven them. And now your job is to continue walking by faith and not by feelings. And your feelings will have to come in line with I am free of unforgiveness. And God also showed me that I can speak to the devil who was constantly bringing thoughts my way. Again, remember like the illustration I gave you of the little dog that wouldn't go away. He was trying to get on the bus with that woman, that dog that was being annoying and frustrating. Well, God showed me that I can speak to the devil who was bringing those thoughts. And if you think about it, those thoughts are not your thoughts. If you have thoughts about the situation and the person after you've already declared you've forgiven them, they are not your thoughts. You are the righteousness of God. You walk in love and you walk in forgiveness. So when those thoughts come that are in opposition to love and forgiveness, they are lies. And who is the liar? The devil. And you have been given authority over the devil. So God told me to speak to the devil. And this is what I say. And this is what you can say too. If those thoughts and, um, and those emotions are constantly harassing you, again, you speak to the sycamine tree. And now you can speak to the devil. And you say, Satan, I bind your mouth. You cannot speak to me about the past. You cannot speak to me about situations or people that have uh, hurt me in the past. You cannot remind me of offenses and unforgiveness. I command you to be quiet and to get behind me in Jesus' name. And you know that as soon as I started doing that, the thoughts became, they dwindled. They became so minimal and almost to none. And this was coming from a place where I felt like every waking hour was consumed with thoughts about the situation. It would literally be the first thing that I, woke, that I thought about when I woke up and the last thing I thought about when I went to bed. I'm not proud of that at all. I am, it's, but I am telling you from experience, this is, a, this is part of my testimony, is that I would even dream about the people and the situation. And I'm telling you this, I'm being frank and honest with you because I want you to know that you are not alone in that situation you are in right now. God has provided a way of escape and praise God for his mercy and his grace. He showed me how to get rid of this unforgiveness and resentment once and for all. And now I'm teaching you these principles and the recompense for for everything the enemy stole will be sevenfold. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up here. We've run out of time. Next week, we are going to continue again the the final steps in how to get rid of unforgiveness out of your life once and for all. I will see you next week. God bless you. Thank you so much for being part of today's episode of Faith Talks. If you have any questions related to today's or any of my previous episodes, if you have a testimony you would like to share or for a free copy of Confessions for Life, please email me at questions at faithtalks.com.au. For episode announcements and regular encouragement, you can now find Faith Talks with Emily Preston on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from today's or any of my previous teachings, please share this podcast with them and help them receive revelation of the truth that will make them free. Until next time, know that I am praying for you. And don't forget to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And you will be blessed in everything that you do. God bless you.